we do at Humana is, as I mentioned, sort of um, trying to help sell and promote things that we believe are good. Our, our, we On our site, we say like we work for things that, products and, and companies that are making things better and not worse. Uh, and there's just a lot, I mean, like making stuff and consumerism ha is having a huge impact on the planet. Um, there's no getting around it. And there are companies out there that are they're genuinely solving problems that if more people knew about them, they would it, it would it would move the needle. It would start to make things better. And welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's show. This is part two of our interview with David Littlejohn, Chief Creative Officer and co-founder of the agency Humanaut, which has done some pretty amazing campaigns. Please go back and listen to part one and hear about one of my favorite campaigns of all time and Jay's as well, the Save the Bros. Um, David, where we were leaving off on part one, we were talking about essentially like what you think startup brands and challenger brands, what should be their biggest fear, which is being invisible. Um, can you can you talk more about this idea of um, having the guts, like as a startup founder, having the guts to break from the mold? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, and I think this, you can kind of talk about this on two sides, right? I, I think, you know, building your purpose and your brand is a little bit different than advertising, how you're going to go out and tell the world about it. And I think there's two ways of thinking about this, this word risk um, in, those, in those contexts. You know, I think um, on, the, on the first side of it, I, I think being a, being a founder, starting something is incredibly risky. It, you know, it's like, any any sort of mathematician looks at the odds and says this is a horrible thing to do with my time you know this is this is going to fail and i think you know we there's a lot of discussion right in, in that like little bit of crazy that the founder already has to have to even think they can beat the odds so there i think that's part of the challenge is that once a founders take that take taking that step They've already put it all on the line. They're already super exposed and trying to recruit a team and, and building a team, raising money around a thing that they know sort of just like came out of their head. So there's a lot of risk already happening. And I think that that's also why as they start to build their brand, sometimes they're basically trying to de-risk at that point. You know, they're, they're trying to uh, sort of uh, protect themselves a bit. And, you know, but, but I think that that is the, the mistake. It, it's sort of like if, if your unique spark has, has gotten you as far as you have and, and beaten the odds, the last thing you want to do is, is dial back the unique spark that got you there, right? Um, and so as, as scary as the whole, you know, founder world is, you know, I think you, you kind of just have to, to keep doubling and tripling down. But then also learning and being smart. And that's the thing I can get into next, which is a really amazing new world we live in where there's a lot of data now uh, that, and feedback that you can get from your own brand and your, your advertising to make sure that you're not just being foolish. You know, So the, the great thing, and we haven't talked a lot about this yet, but in our, in our first piece, but a lot of people like ask us, like, like how do you guys 
sell that work? Or how did you get a client to be so bold? Um, and the reality is because the work is incredibly effective, right? Like if, if, if in the first week that Save the Bros launched, like there was, you know, tons of complaints and no one saw it, like it, you wouldn't, we wouldn't be talking about it right now. Right. Um, and there's this new ability to get very quick feedback. And what we do now at, at Humanot is we're dialing that, uh, ability up as high as we can. And so what people don't realize is like, we, we make lots of different versions of what people eventually see. And we're testing those versions and we're literally seeing what breaks through fastest. You know, when I, when we're making work that's designed for YouTube, we can literally watch our different videos and like how long people stay engaged and we cut off the ones that, that aren't engaging or if they don't capture your attention in those first six seconds, like it's not, it's not good, right? It's, it's not working. Um, and, or if we're, we're realizing that like the sentiment, you know, so there's, there's live testing that you can do out in the world. And then there's also like some pre-testing you can do, which we're also doing where you can get feedback on your work and, and realize that, oh, you know, this campaign is equally breakthrough, but, but also kind of like turns people off this campaign equally breakthrough, but not as much negative sentiment. We look at that at human and go, well, both of them are, we think great work. Both of them break through, both of them live up to the, to the campaign idea. Like if we don't, like we don't have to, 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 to piss people off if it's, if it's not, um, you know, making the work more effective. And so I would just, it, it, what it should do, and, and we could get into all the tools and whatnot, how to do this, whether you're testing packaging design, your website, your, you know, your social ads or your, your, your big expensive video campaign, all of it, you can use really smart tools. And this is not the old days where you go to a mall in Dallas and ask some people who may or may not even be your customer, what they thought of your commercial that it's gotten so much smarter. So what, what, what we do is we make a lot of things. Um, and we, we, that it gives us free reign to make incredible, even more bold and aggressive. And then we can see what does the data say about it? And so if I were a founder right now, I would just, I would use that reality as a way to make you even more bold and to, to experiment with your voice and your tone to its furthest extent, share it to a small group of people and see how it does. What we know at Humanot is that great creative work outperforms not good, crappy creative work all the time. So I'm not worried about like testing, compromising our creative vision. If anything, it validates it. So that would be the long winded way of sort of saying, you know, lean into that spark and try to just keep dialing up and then be smart along the way as, as you already are when you're getting feedback that's pointing, you know, towards something not working. Uh, that's feel like you're uh, preaching what I wish more people would talk about <laughs> in the world of marketing. Everyone just uh, everyone wants to do what everyone else is doing, but they also want to stand out. And that's such a contradictory thing. Um, just a side note, someone sent me uh, the liquid death video this week and was like, man, this is so true. To, I just think their brand, they've done a great job of like being very true to who their followers are and their potential customers are. Um, and their animated video is though graphic, very hilarious, um, that they were just willing to put themselves out there like that. Um, so that's awesome. You said that was a former, former member of your team. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Uh, you know, his, his name is Mike Cesario and he actually worked on Save the Bros. So it's sort of a really fun connection with that. Um, but the other thing I'll say just, you know, to cap on what you said was 
your brand can change, right, and evolve. Like, like you're you need to to address the the challenges right now of what your startup brand needs to do, which is break through and get really passionate, you know, people to to help come in and and grow your brand, right? You like Liquid Death. If they're a massive success, their brand will eventually evolve to sort of like you know meet the needs of a wider audience, and they might have all sorts of different packaging designs and. And you know, some of them might be more colorful, and they'll, you know, their tagline is "Murder Your Thirst," and like, you can, you can change and, and evolve. You don't have to feel like you're locked in to this thing forever, um, but you should find what's working and, and sparking. And if your if your brand doesn't have that, you basically are going to have to raise a ton of money and and sort of force feed it instead of like bringing some of that that magic that that is what got you here today. No, I think that's such a great point, um, especially with founders. I, I think it's such a challenge because they want to play it safe. They also want to, um, I think, like you said, I, I always explain it that for a brand, uh, it's like a human being. So many brands are so kind of single facet, like just they're like, yeah. well, we want to be cool. And it's like, yeah. well, every cool human being I know can also be funny at times, can also be serious at times. Someone who's always funny is not a very fun person to be around often. Um, and, and we like multifaceted human beings who have different parts of them. And so I think that's such a great point about, about branding. Um, for the agency kind of world, what, what do you think is going to happen with agencies? I, I've seen this trend. I'm sure you're seeing this trend. I'm seeing more and more agencies who are kind of bucking the idea of becoming this big, huge, you know, group that that is all these mini, little mini groups within that are mini agencies within the agency. Um, what else do you see kind of coming uh, to the ad world, agency world? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, it's a very interesting and challenging and fun time to be uh you know building an basically an advertising agency but i think that the whole the whole world is is exploding a bit and it's it's really actually good i mean it's you know th there's a lot of agencies that are protecting what they what they know what they've done for a long time um but i think from day one you know we had the luxury of starting an agency when the the big shift had already started to happen and so from day one you know our our approach has been let's embrace every single new tool or new thing that is we can we can and uh, let that change happen to us as fast as we can I think where we we started with with bringing uh, the majority of our production our video production in-house so I, I sometimes say humanot is a production company disguised as an ad agency um, and it's it's because the the tools now have been the maker tools have been democratized to the makers. And so, you know, it's it's like you the idea that you need an entire agency to just come up with an idea and and then they have to go out and then hire the people to make the idea. I, I mean, if you're a startup founder and you're looking for all the ways that, that you know, the, the bottom line is is really, you know, you're, you're looking at every single way of, of cutting costs to the bone and being as efficient as possible. By definition, an ad agency is is inefficient um, and technically, uh, you know, a, a really sophisticated and ideally savvy strategic middleman. 
But I think what's going to happen is what you're basically seeing is that production companies are are basically bringing creative services in-house because they realize like, oh, well, we could hire two writers to, to make amazing scripts. And then we'd have the scripts and we could go produce them like that's smart. And then you're you're seeing the other, which is the attempt for ad agencies to try to become production companies. I think that one's actually harder than, um, you know, the 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 production company is hiring some creatives. What you're also seeing is is basically that same thing where the brands are bringing their own marketing in-house um, because they're realizing, oh, well, we could hire the creatives and you know we already have all these young people making social content and, and videos, like maybe well, we can make our own videos too. So I think we just have to accept that there are now a lot of ways of coming up, of having ideas. Founders have great ideas. There's a, And there's a lot of ways of making stuff. And so, you know, I think that what's, and, and then on top of that, you're seeing, you're seeing the, the world of data come through and the, the ability to measure and, and test everything. And, and really direct to consumer brands have been the ones that are disrupting the, you know, the industry the most because, and we, you know, we work with Bomba, which is an amazing, um, you know, company that's crazy fast growing. They make socks, they donate a pair of socks to the homeless uh, community and, I mean, they've, they're, I think they're at four, almost five years old, and they've already sold their 20 millionth sock. We, we helped them celebrate their 10 millionth pair just a year ago. So, and they, we were the first time they'd ever worked with an ad agency. So more and more, we're working with these brands where they have a big media budget, they've done, they built their brand in-house, they've done all their marketing in-house, and they've worked directly with production companies. And I've got to, I've got to be the guy come along and go, hey, um, yeah, now you're gonna have to pay for ideas and then pay for us to help you make the thing, you know. And it, it, it sounds crazy to them to me. So from day one, I've sort of realized, like, you know, from that perspective, like, Humanot is already behind in, in where we need to get to service the needs of brands. And so one of the reasons, one thing that that's led us to do is be basically completely project-based agency. Agencies exist right now, you know, traditionally completely on uh, agency of record, really big yearly billings uh, and commitments just on projects. And that gives us the freedom to just come along and help a brand in the exact way they need the help. And also to add the, the layer of help that they can't do themselves. They probably have an in-house marketing team. They have production partners, but they're missing some, some extra elements. And what's great is like we can come along and just do that for them instead of doing their window clings or their banner ads or all the other just marketing stuff that you have to, to do. And frankly, you, you probably should bring in house because, you know, getting Humanot to do your, you know, your banner ads and your, um, you know, your, your in-store flyers and your, you know, all, you know, your, your window clings, your, your coupon things like you're not using us to our full ability, right? So we basically just really focus on how do we come along and add high level ideas and execute those ideas and then call us when you need us again. You know, we'll, we'll retain the relationship based on if we're still adding value to each other uh, as opposed to some contract. And for us, it, it works great. And, um, and also we, we operate out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, which just also means our costs are lower. We can make things from anywhere. And my friends who have new, you know, agencies in New York, startup agencies, you know, they are, when we compare each other's office rent, it, it, it's, uh, they get pretty sad <laughs> uh, because it's just, it's expensive to run a, a creative agencies in what are the traditional creative markets. Sure. You know, um, 
I think another thing you, you've obviously done uh, worked with big brands, Lyft, and these other ones, um, and and there can be a big advantage from the guilty by association thing. Can you talk about working with Scarlett Johansson and doing the Soda Stream thing, and and just any advice for the rest of us if we if we do get in the position where we get to um, you know have interactions or be working with an A lister like that? What what kind of lessons do you have for the rest of us? Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, and you know, SodaStream is an interesting one because you know they're uh, um, they're not a scrappy startup, but they're challenging you know a, a mega you know soda and industry you know and and, a, and soda and soda water, um, and so they definitely were the the scrappier um, in, in that. And the other thing they were doing that was really uh, interesting at the time, and you know, this is several years ago, but I mean, they were putting. A, a large and almost majority of their marketing dollars into the Super Bowl. They needed to raise awareness in the U.S. Uh, very quickly. And the reality is TV is still a very effective way of raising awareness uh, quickly. But I think that, and there's probably a couple like levels of, of this question, uh, but I think what we try to do, what we're always trying to do is, if you're if you're working with a celebrity, what you kind of have to realize is that you are, borrowing equity from their brand and, you know, minimizing the, the sort of the exposure of, of your own. And so what you want to do then, I think, is try to make that that moment an act in culture, right? If, if we could get Scarlett Johansson and SodaStream to do something together in culture, then that's going to make this more than just an entertaining commercial. And so there's a, you know, we had been working with SodaStream a few times um, calling out the soda industry for their sort of bottle, plastic bottle problem that, that SodaStream elegantly solves. And, you know, the very first thing we did was we, we created an ad where, like, a classic Coke and Pepsi um, Super Bowl commercial. And soda, whereas a Coke driver pulls up and a Pepsi driver pulls up, and you think it's one of those classic Super Bowl ads, and then SodaStream sort of crashes it and sort of calls out the, the ability to, to um, you know, save a bunch of bottles. And the funny thing is we knew that commercial, I mean, that commercial got banned. We were not allowed to air that commercial. And we knew that like when we made it. So we were being really smart about realizing you're on a big stage. You need to do something on that stage that is worth talking about. And then when we had Scarlett Johansson, we had her call out. She, she in, in one of the cuts that we did, you know, called out Coke and Pepsi, um, sort of saying that, you know, she was gonna give them this sort of um, partnership SodaStream the partnership, and we then you know had that commercial because it mentioned Coke and Pepsi, and guess what? Pepsi is the halftime sponsor of the Super Bowl. Like they, the networks don't want you to air that commercial. So then we actually had a YouTube video that said Scarlett Johansson censored, you know, Super Bowl commercial, um, and guess what? People want to watch that, uh, and then they're like, <laughs> they're like, wait a minute, it's censored because she says Coke and Pepsi? Like I'm kind of like annoyed and mad and like like what and so it just created this, this conversation so i would just say that like don't just use that celebrity moment or that that big stage moment to just tell people who you are use it to do something that is provocative or interesting and tells people who you are and it's just like the life of the, the those two different super bowl moments for stone stream um we're so much bigger because of the online press and the buzz and the social piece that we got. Um, and that was all orchestrated. I mean, that was, we, we thought through that. And so just realize that your commercial 
is a moment in culture that you should capitalize to 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 do something and not just talk about yourself. And do you have any advice of you know? So Jay and I have a good friend Lindsay who's got a a number of A listers as her clients for her consulting firm. She helps on the charitable side of things, and we've got to meet some of them here or there. And I I notice there's a real temptation to view celebrities as different, you know, and it's almost like easy for the rest of us to objectify them and to think about like how great this is going to be for us. Do you have any ideas on like the actual interactions with them and having them not feel like we're just using them? You mean like on set or like in, sure. the, in your, yeah. Uh, yeah. In the, in, yeah. in the writing I mean, in, on set and just the, the interactions in general of like making it, you know, anyways, not treating them well, like a stepping stool to our but, goals. I mean, I, I think the, the thing, that you have to realize, and um, you know, Scarlett Johansson, other celebrities that I've been able to work with, like they are creative professionals. You know, they. I think we all forget that everything is a job. You know, like, and when you realize that, like, they're showing up and and doing their job, and you're there as someone in their life doing your job, um, it really sort of uh, helps uh, make that moment much simpler. And, and you're just you're working with like a, someone who's really awesome at their job. Um, and I think it was what I loved was just, I mean, even working with, with Scarlett Johansson, like she was so pro and like, there wasn't, it wasn't like I was working with celebrity. I was working with like a really talented actor as if I had casted someone and wanted to make their mark and say the line, right. And what's the, you know, and realize that like, they, they have a lot on the line too. And they just want to do a good job. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to embarrass themselves. And so the more that you're helping them do a good job uh, is going to help them more than sort of like, you know, going out of your way to tell them like what a big fan you are, how great you are. It's like, you know, just, just help them crush it. Um, and they will love you. And your, your job is to make them look good and, um, and help them do their job. So that's sort of it, that helped me. And I think, you know, hopefully helps other people just realizing that like it, it, in the end of the day, you're, they're showing up to work just like you. That's a great piece of advice. Um, just to kind of wrap up uh, part two, what's something you love uh, to talk about outside of kind of uh, work or business? Is there a, you know, a hobby you're passionate about, uh, something charity related? What's kind of your, your soapbox outside of uh, your day-to-day agency work? Yeah, good question. So, I mean, a lot of the work we do at Humanot is, as I mentioned, sort of um, trying to help sell and promote things that we believe are good. Our, our, we On our site, we say, like, we work for things that – products and, and companies that are making things better and not worse. Uh, and there's just a lot – I mean, like, making stuff – and consumerism is having a huge impact on the planet. Um, there's no getting around it. And there are companies out there that are they're genuinely solving problems that if more people knew about them, they would it, it would it would move the needle. It would start to make things better. And so, I mean, I, I we, we talk a lot about and think a lot about the environment and the impact that things make. And I love I love technology and ideas that are are just fixing all the problems out there. And I think it can be, you can get, when you go down this rabbit hole of documentaries about how everything is, is F, like you can get pretty depressed, but then there's also this rabbit hole of all these smart, innovative people that are, are really coming up with some amazing stuff. We're like, whoa, I didn't know mushrooms could do that. Or I didn't know, you know, you could get a um, solar panel that small to power X, Y, or Z. 
Um, so I love I love that stuff. I love the, the innovation of, of um, creating value. And then I have a weird um, sort of hobby, which is uh, like I've been down this sleight of hand magic um, rabbit hole for about two years because I just love um, I, I love being able to blow someone's mind. Like that's a feeling I love, like whether it's a TED talk or a book or a, a comedian or whatever it is that that moment and I mean slide it like magic in general as as cheesy as it's been sort of in the past is having this resurgence um, where people are just like messing with your brain and uh, taking all the expectations you have about how the world works and completely flipping them right in front of you and and we've all seen magic like on a stage but to, to sort of like have a deck of cards or something and just to slowly do something in front of you that makes absolutely no sense is just really fun um, to, to watch like what's happening with that person. And it's also in this world of like information everywhere, uh, there's still all this really like secret like things and, and knowledge you can learn um, that just normal people don't know about. So that's been fun. And then the Instagram and social community um, is just really rewarding. I, I sort of, I encourage everyone these days to find like a subculture that they can get really deep into. Um, Cause sometimes we just stay too much on the surface with the news and like what your friends are doing. But like the nerdy subcultures on the internet, whatever it is, whether it's like basket weaving or, you know, animation of a specific old style or, or whatever, the people into that are just so interesting and fascinating. The content they're making, um, I love. And so I just say, find a subculture and like go way into it because you'll learn a lot about everything else too. And so even that subculture exploring has taught me a lot about the work we do at Humanon. Love it. Well, listen, besides people going to the website, which uh, it's humanot.is, so H-U-M-A-N-A-U-T dot I-S. Um, maybe, maybe for my last question, uh, who are some other brands that you look up to? I, I mean, I love the Liquid Death. And any others that are just real standouts for you like that? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, I, I think there's some of the, the cliched answers, like, you know, your your Patagonias and whatnot, what they're trying to do. Um, you know, I love, I love what Cards Against Humanity does. Um, I don't think there's that many other brands that, I mean, they, they take it even further. They just, they are truly ridiculous and crazy and it works. They get press, um, and, and they sort of almost stand for ridiculousness, uh, which I appreciate. Um, and then, you know, and I, my goal is to, is to build a, actually like, you know, it's funny to me that, that advertising agencies, like brand builders of our, you know, in our, in our world have the worst, uh, brands, like their B2B, like crappily named letters or old guys names. Um, and so, you know, I, I actually think Humanot, uh, we have a goal to sort of shift to be more human facing, to, to sort of start engaging people. Um, kind of like a, a Vice. I, I think Vice Channel does a great job. Like, how can we sort of, uh, how can we create a brand where we're actually going to market interesting, cool, better for you in the world products uh, blatantly, and you could be interested in that pursuit um, and behind the scenes of what we're doing, and um, you know, and you know, and then of course other other brands, obviously like Tesla, who and Elon doesn't even believe in advertising. 
I, I just think when you really look at the standout brands, they are not doing it anything like our industry is trained to do it. And we just need to like watch that and um, at least take note of it. At least consider that. I love it. Okay. Well, hey, thanks for making time for this. Yeah, this is fun. And yeah, uh, if anyone wants to, you know, uh, work with us or, or, you know, come down to Chattanooga and hang out with us, we're growing and, and constantly looking for great collaborators um, for the brands and the talent. So we'd love to hear from people. Tell us, tell us what you think of our work. Love it. Okay, everybody. Thanks again.